0: Talk.
1: Leader Talk Leader Talk Leader Talk
2: Leader Talk Leader Talk Leader Talk, Leader talk. Leader talk.
1: talk.
0: Hi everyone. My name is Natalie Dawson. Welcome to Leader Talk. This show is proudly brought to you by Brainiac. Each week we are meeting with incredible leaders from across the world to discuss all things leadership and business insights. Each person coming on this show has given up their valuable time for one very clear purpose to give back to small and medium business owners. Now, there are leaders all around us, not just from the business sector, and many of us will agree that these leaders help make a difference to those they lead. Leader Talk is a show that brings leadership insights from great business leaders around the world, and we are proud to extend the insights to other sectors such as elite sports, charity leaders. And today we have a special guest from the U.S. Marines. So today, my co-host, CEO of Peerlight, Gus Sarianto, and I are fortunate to chat to our guest speaker, Max Garcia from the U.S. Marines. Max will be talking about his frontline leadership in one of the world's finest military forces. U.S. Marines are known for their ability to respond to crises. They wake up every day with high integrity. They display discipline, teamwork, courage loyalty, resilience, endurance, and enthusiasm. So today, Max will talk about how business owners can learn from these disciplines and strategies employed by the U.S. Marines to make their businesses more successful. Welcome to the show, Max.
1: Thanks for having me, Natalie.
2: Much appreciated. Hello, Max. Good morning. A little echo there? Yes, there's a little echo there.
0: Can you hear us okay, Max? Because we've got two yeah. fun questions that's heading your way. We ask all our guests two fun questions every time they come on Leader Talk. So for you, your first one, we'd love to know what is your favorite Australian food?
1: Right. Okay. That's um, That's actually quite an easy one because I've found my little niche here in Australia, if you will. And that has to be meat pies and sausage rolls. Um, yeah. I mean, it's very specific to Australia and I like it with the barbecue sauce and the ketchup and all that kind of stuff. And if I come home after meeting with a client or a speaking gig or something and, and, or if I even run to the shopping center and Carolyn's like, Hey, are you hungry? I'm going to cook dinner soon. I'm like, Oh, not really. Just, she's like, you've had a meat pie at sausage roll when you went to the town center. And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, okay, you're right. Busted. Those have to be my two favorite things.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, you know, we know that you've, Been around the world. We'd love to know what is your favorite place to visit?
1: Well, okay. Um, I'll tell you, I'll start, I'll preface by saying my favorite city in the whole wide world is Sydney, Australia. And sorry, Gus, it's not Melbourne. (laughs) And I'll tell you why. I know it sounds maybe cliche because I'm talking to a bunch of Australian people. I'll tell you why I'm not just saying that. Um, I've been to about 70 countries. And out of all those countries, my favorite city in the world is Sydney. And if Sydney is not the best city in the world, I'm talking, taking the calculation, the weather, the cleanliness of the city, the safety, the the very nice people. If Sydney isn't the very best city in the world, tell me where it is, and I'll go visit there right away. Uh, I debated on living in the Sydney area or San Diego when I retired. Um, And yeah, Sydney is just amazing. But a close second for me has to be Europe. I absolutely love visiting Europe. Can I guess, Max?
2: Your wife must come from Sydney.
1: My wife is from from Camden it's, oh, from, um, yeah yeah, which is uh, about an hour outside of the city, so she's what we call a proud Camdenite
2: I'm sure <laughs> if she come from Victoria, you will say Melbourne the best place to be
1: hey, I know exactly the right thing to say at the right time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks, Max. Look, a lot of people want to know about Max's journey. So we'd love to go straight into that. We'd love if you can briefly tell us about your life journey and what really brought you here to Australia. Right.
1: Okay. Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, my wife, Gus, because maybe you all remember uh, the initial invasion of Iraq in 2003. I'm assuming at least you two are old enough to remember that. A lot of people don't. But I was part of that initial invasion of Iraq in 2003. Uh, maybe you remember I was there, that big old Saddam statue got pulled down. I was there for that. I have a couple pieces of that statue because one of the Marines that I was with saw it off the hand of it. Uh, anyways, for whatever reason, we all flew over, but we had to take a ship home. Uh, yes, it's normal for Marines to ride on Navy ships. We're not Navy though, we are Marines, but it is normal for us to, for the Navy to take us through the fight. But in this case, we were meant to fly back um, But instead, they told us, you're going to have to take a ship back. It's going to take you an extra two months to get home. You're going to miss Fourth of July and all the welcoming parties that everyone else is going to get. Um, However, you're going to stop in Sydney, Australia for five days. And, you know, if you trust God every now and again, uh, we were very quite, we were quite bitter on having the longer deployment, an extra two months getting home. But we stopped in Sydney and I met my wife on the last day in port.
0: Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. And and by the
1: way, that's why I'm here, because I wanted us to move here when I finish with the Marines.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And and Max, just a bit more about the journey. Can you tell us what made you actually decide to join the Marines? Was it something that was an easy decision? Was it a difficult decision? How did you actually get there?
1: Right. Great question. And yeah, great question. Well. I grew up very, very underconfident as a kid. I grew up with such low self-esteem. And and Gus knows this because I've talked to him about this story. and I've talked to some of his people who are watching about this story. I grew up with such low self-esteem that I almost had like this childhood anxiety where I would uh, get sick prior to going to a party or an amusement park. Sometimes my mom wouldn't even take me. Um, I don't know if it's because I was adopted. Um, Yes, I'm American. However, I was actually born in Mexico and I was adopted by Americans. In fact, I was adopted by two American Marines, which is why I'm a big fan of my speaking of nurture much more than nature. For everyone watching out there, I say this a lot, never ever let any of your family history limit you in any situation, not even in health. Um, so I grew up really underconfident and maybe because of my parents, or uh, maybe because of my underconfidence, but I was drawn to the Marines, especially because the Marine Corps focuses heavily on building confidence, And leadership, and to go on a little further, Natalie, I was even more drawn to the Marines when all my friends, family, teachers, even parents, no one thought that I would be able to make it in the Marines. They didn't even think that I would graduate boot camp. You know, the initial uh, three months of of brutal training. And not only did I graduate, but I ended up graduating with with honors and a meritorious promotion. And a short five years later, I went back there myself uh, to be a drill instructor where I. Had a fantastic tour, as you can see with the with the plaque sitting
2: behind me in the shadow box. Does that answer your question? It yeah. does. Man, can I just say something? You know, when I thinking about Marine, you know, you know, I love all the uh, U.S. movies, and when I'm thinking about Marine, when you when you want to help us coming to our little, uh, you know, my imagination, there is this big guy, you know, big muscly guy. That is, you know, you lead 3,000 Marines. And then when I speak with you the first time, you said, I'm 65 kilogram. And I'm thinking, how can a 65 right. kilogram guy lead 3,000 special elite forces? And you, you really make me so motivated because you always said to me, where you are and how you are, it's not determined how you can lead. You know, like you really passionate about this. Can you share with us you know, that journey when you rock up at the Marine Corps training ground for the first time and everyone else is probably bigger than you, what do you say to yourself and how do you stay in there? Right. Well, well, I guess I'll start by saying that
1: I love some I showed you success. When someone tells me I can't do something, it's like something inside me snaps and I have to do it. Um, I remember, I I recall when you say that, Gus, I recall... Uh, mentioning this. and I remember being in a, around a bunch of neighborhood friends and talking about, yeah, I'm going to go in the Marines. Rah, rah, rah. And I remember one of them, it was a female. I won't forget this. She grabbed my arm, picked it up and she went, really you in the Marines and did that to me. <laughs> and I was like, but that's okay. And I went forward and I'll say this <clears throat> since, especially since we're on the leader talk podcast, it's not here. It's here. Everything Revolves around here. You know, people, you know, love to impose limiting beliefs on themselves in so many ways. And not only that, they let other people, especially close family and friends, either purposely or inadvertently put limitations on them, um, which are only there if you believe it. So to answer your question, Gus, it's up here, not here.
2: That is so powerful.
0: Um, It is powerful. And I'll add to that, Max. I remember five years ago when I decided to leave corporate world and start Elite Words, the first thing that everyone kept saying was the statistic of the amount of small and medium businesses that don't make it. Right, And it really was, you know, that I think it was something like 90% at the time. I'm not too sure what it is now, but it was a really high statistic. And they're like, you know, that's the reality. But it was that thing where I just went, no, I'm going to challenge that and make. It. And it was almost like I had to hear that, like what you said.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what, it was what's a driving force. What's interesting, Nat, uh, we spoke, I think I remember we spoke about this with um, either with Daniel Wood, uh, the first leader talk, you know, when I, or, or General Bugs. Yes, I, I remember we spoke about this. The amount of people, not only they create their own limiting belief, which is I like the word limiting belief, Max, but allowing people in the grandstand to actually throw the limiting belief and they actually become believe on it. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Doesn't matter what the circumstances. Max Garcia at the U.S. Marine, Natalie opening elite words, or even myself, you know, coming to this country and you know trying to uh, trying to do the best I can for my surrounding and the limiting belief that I create to myself, plus a thousand people that are adding. Uh, Max, you are absolutely spot on on that. Oh, thank you. Thanks.
0: And look, Max, you know, as a leader, you've obviously learned a lot of lessons and we would love to learn what you actually learned from your time as a U.S. Marine that can actually help SMEs. All
1: right. Uh, well, Natalie, I think that'd probably take you at least three cups of coffee. <laughs> there's so <laughs> many, There's so many to, to go through, especially since I, I'll admit openly, since I'm talking to leaders for the benefit of leaders, I'll, with humility, I'll admit I started off in my first leadership position, I started off underconfident, ineffective. Uh, but as I grew through the ranks, especially towards the end of my career, the I'd say the most important thing and what I work with a lot uh, when I work with companies is, is that it's vitally important to create systems that foster a sense of discipline and loyalty in an organization. Now, by discipline, though, I don't mean you know, push-ups and yelling. And because because I'm a Marine, people assume that I do uh, 3,000 push-ups a day, like Gus likes to say, or, or people assume I like to run around the house and yell or something like that. I don't mean that kind of discipline. I mean, discipline in the basics, becoming best at the basics, if you can instill that in your organization, whether that's simply showing up on time or 15 minutes early or submitting your reports on time, that they're grammatically correct or that everyone wears the appropriate uniform and that it looks good and that it's clean and pressed because you represent the company everywhere you go, or even a nice looking company polo. Again, brilliance in the basics is a big one. And again, that goes back to discipline. And I'll tell you this, here's a secret. If you have discipline in your organization, it will almost automatically um, equal loyalty. Discipline builds loyalty. Because when you have discipline, everyone knows everyone's role. Everyone has a clear understanding. And yeah, just discipline uh, builds loyalty. And the thing is that when you have discipline and loyalty in your organization, you'll have less people, I don't know, backstabbing, bickering, quitting without notice, calling in sick unnecessarily, showing up late, um, bad attitudes. You'll have a whole lot less, fewer safety issues. By the way, these are all things... Leaders talking to me about that they're unhappy with in their organizations or their people or Slack performance. If you have discipline and loyalty, you will have far less problems and you'll have better people. And ultimately, you'll have better profits, stronger businesses, and, and better employees. And eventually, you'll be able to pick the very best people that you want. Because when you have discipline and loyalty, especially the loyalty piece, not only will your people want to work for you, but their friends and family will hear about you and want to work for you as well. And then you can take your exact pick of the people you want. You won't have as much turnover. I just, to answer your question, Natalie, I cannot say enough things about the importance of discipline and loyalty and creating system or systems around that because there is a system to it. It's not automatic. It's not done by wishful thinking or a little bit of preaching. There are systems uh, around that. Yeah. Does that answer it's your question?
0: It does, yeah. yeah.
2: Max, can I just ask also, you know, uh, we as a business, we as a business tend to relate ourselves to a lot of things outside the business as well. You know, a lot of business commonly relate to elite sports, you know, as a business, look at that elite sports, you know, we we love sports, we love people in service, you know, look at how the military, you know, the Marines, and then when we talk to you, you said the the the, the key to success um, uh, that you can share as the leader in marine is actually as simple as doing the basic right, train and discipline. Uh, Yet, if you look at business, many business, while we look at you, we don't train on the basic. We don't do the drills. You know, every sports people will do the drills before they play the game. You know, business tend to talk to the game, but they don't do that discipline. I'm sure Marines still run every morning. They don't just go every day to combat. They will run. They will do the push-up. I mean, when I hear that you, a retired Marine, still do 300 push up a day, I'm just thinking, God, <laughs> like, it's like, you know, like the discipline go across. How do you instill discipline and uh, in the organization, in your opinion, because you also coaching a lot of business? What should we do? to instill discipline in organizations?
1: Yes. Well, there's far too many things to list, but a few that uh, jump in my head right from the start. One of the first things I like to do is when I first arrive at a unit or on a routine basis, I like to pull everyone in, especially the leaders, and I remind them that we are here to serve and not be served. Again, this is especially true for the leaders since I'm talking to all the leaders out there on Leader Talk who have influence. I'll say that again. I remind them that we are here to serve and not be served. I also, um, or at least with Marines, I remind them of something. Um, In fact, it's something that just jumped in my head because I just happened to come across, I was cleaning out a a box this morning looking for something, and I I happened to come across uh, my promotion warrant from one of my promotion warrants. And I'll, I'll show you that this is one thing I remind leaders of. Because on every promotion warrant to a leadership position in the Marine Corps, it says this It says, uh, To all who shall see these presence greetings, know ye that reposing special trust and confidence in the fidelity and abilities of XX name. I'll say that, I'll read that one more time. To all who shall see these presence greetings, know ye that reposing special trust and confidence in the fidelity and abilities of. Said name again. I'll reinforce special trust and confidence. Every leader out there watching the show, keep in mind that you haven't been given that position on accident. You've been given special trust and confidence in your fidelity and in your abilities of whatever it is you're doing. So, the those two things. Um, the other thing I'll mention, Gus, to that that's really really helps is. Teaching leaders how to effectively counsel. I know I mentioned this briefly, um, probably till you're blue in the face when I spoke to the leaders of PeerLight, because I cannot emphasize enough the importance of effective counseling. What do I mean by counseling? I mean uh, performance counseling. I mean initial counseling, following counseling, formal counseling, informal counseling. There's There's a lot to list. But something as simple as when someone arrives new, you hire someone on sitting down with them, eyeball to eyeball, kneecap to kneecap, not leadership by email or leadership by text or leadership by read this policy. No, I mean, sitting down with them face to face and saying, hey, I've I've took some time out to to read our standard operating procedure. And according to our standard operating procedure, your job description is this. Uh, These are your specific roles and responsibilities while you're here and while you work for me. Here are my clearly defined, laid out expectations for you. And that way there's no gray area. Everyone knows exactly what's expected. There's no mind reading. Um, And then you have a discussion about it, not hide behind a desk. Um, Like literally, I recommend when I'm talking to senior leaders, I recommend they pull the chair out and have a a sit down side by side. And that way there's no gray area. And you actually talk about it and the the person checking in can, can answer questions. That way there's no gray area. There's no white space. And then follow on counseling every 60 to 90 days. We pull them back in and you say, hey, two to three months ago, I brought you in. I told you this was your job description. This is what your roles and responsibilities are. These are my clearly defined. These were my clearly defined expectations for you. And here's where you're knocking it out of the park. Um, I know that's American saying. I forgot the Australian one for wickets and the cricket. But um, here's where you're knocking it out of the park. Here's where you're lacking here's where i need you to improve and by the way while i was out uh, on vacation you took charge and took initiative and did these things that was unexpected i love it when you take initiative keep doing that uh, basically a follow on counseling letting people know how they do because people are your people are always wondering is the boss pleased with my performance and if you don't tell them they're playing a mind reading game i'm working hard i think i'm doing all the right things but the, the boss isn't telling me so I'm trying to read his mind. And the boss is saying, and if if John would just do this one thing, you got to have this thing called moral courage to tell him. So to answer your question, Gus, I know I'm giving you more than what you're asking for. To to answer your question, teaching leaders um, that about servant leadership, teaching them that they've been given special trust and confidence, and teaching them how to effectively lead, counsel, inspire, mentor, all those other things. Does that answer your question? Yes. Probably more
2: than fantastic. you bargained for. Not fantastic,
0: great. I actually, um, Max, you touched on this gray area. You know, as leaders, it's really important that we have clear instructions because it leaves room for you know. Uh, there is less errors that can occur. Being in the U.S. Marines, how important is you know this clear instructions? You know. N- emitting any of these gray areas can you give us an example where you know why why it is so important to have clear instructions
2: yeah well
1: in the military it can really mean life and death but you know what now that I think about it since i'm talking to a lot of corporate leaders it can as well because a lot of you all have safety requirements you're operating heavy machinery saws all these other things that i would would never even uh touch and and not only that um if instructions aren't clear in the corporate world, jobs can be lost. Careers can be ruined. People can get hurt or even killed by one poor decision by one poor leader or one miscommunication. Um, you know, I'm not proud to say this, but in, um, in Iraq in 2004, just between Baghdad and Fallujah, my platoon commander, uh, no, I was, it was normal that I was going on these patrols every day. And this particular patrol, I was the patrol leader. I was always the lead vehicle. I believe in leading from the front, always. It's something that, that is going away these days. And my platoon commander in particular, he didn't always come on patrol. Sometimes he would come because you should always inspect what you expect as leaders. Remember that. And my platoon commander said, hey, Staff Sergeant Garcia, hey, I'm going to come with you on this patrol. Sounds good, sir. I wasn't expecting it. <clears throat> and he gets in the vehicle. Now he's a few vehicles behind me. Probably four vehicles back, and he says, "Hey, when we pull out, go this way. Do this, turn, you know, turn here." And and now I'm used to running the patrols by myself. And now I have a someone who's senior to me, you know, interjecting in my routine, in my patrols. And and I'm not proud of this, but I misunderstood his communication. I went the wrong way, and immediately we got attacked. Uh, we got hit by a small arms fire, improvised explosive device. And my platoon commander was killed in action. Um, I, I won't say because of me going the wrong way, but I don't know. Uh, I went the wrong way and he was killed, and another Marine lost a foot. Another mar- two Marines almost bled to death. Um, one almost died of a morphine overdose in an effort to stop the pain, and it was complete chaos. The helicopter never came. It all started because I misunderstood the instructions of my platoon commander. I take full responsibility for both sides of the communication. So I take responsibility for that. Probably I should have said, "Say again your last over," and then clarified. Um, so to 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 recap on what you are saying, communication, clear communication, crystal clear expectations, clearly defined at all levels are vital because it can pay off at any time that, that and, were not expected.
2: And we are, we are now living in the world where communication become so broad where people think a one-liner sms could direct someone to do something crucial you know we have people replying on multiple urgent topics on email you know on the past leader talk last week mr umes patke from l'oreal said to us in his organization when there is a crisis after two emails, he expects the team to actually talk face-to-face because obviously email not necessarily work. And, uh, and I think the clarity of instruction, the clarity of communication, uh, as the world moves so fast, uh, we need to reconfigure how we actually communicate. I think as a business, we, we, we really need to understand that communication is not the fact that we actually say hi through SMS. He's yes. That.
1: And I, I can 100% relate to that because now in the military, you know, you see in the movies where, you know, someone's calling for artillery fire or airstrikes, you know, be advised, I'm at such and such, I'm under attack, you know, um, a grid, such and such. Nowadays, a lot of that is done over a computer from the back of a vehicle, from the back of a Humvee, and you're typing in the grid, you're typing in what's happening. Um, so I, I get that. It is more effective in a lot of ways. And I'll tell you something else too, since we're talking about all the leaders and you mentioned email and SMS, we need to be careful with that because a lot of times email and SMS can be misunderstood, especially misunderstood as being disrespectful, um, either purposely or inadvertently. Usually inadvertently, it can be misunderstood. I've had plenty of times while I was in the Marine Corps where a young Marine emails me and says, Sergeant Major, print this form. Sign it and and take it to the S one shop. I'm like, who's this freaking? He's talking to right? So, I, you know, I do it anyways because I'm humble. I print it, sign it, and I take it to him in this one shop. I'm like, I'm gonna see who this freaking guy thinks he's talking to is, and I go and see him or her, and they're a little pussy cat. They could never mean any disrespect or any harm, but their email because it sounded just the way because there was no good morning or how are you? Or, hey, great seeing you yesterday. Um, There's no thanks for that. Um, I I appreciate you understanding the situation. There's none of that. If they just, hey, you, this is me, do this, send, it can come across as completely disrespectful. So I mention that, especially with leaders, because your people could be a bit intimidated by you and you might not know it. And then your boss above you might misinterpret that as being mildly disrespectful. Just food for thought since you brought up the email.
0: You know, definitely a good point with communication. Thank you so much for sharing that um, incredible story, Max. We'd love to flip it and ask: Do you have, or what is your proudest leadership moment that you could share with us? I'm sure you've got plenty, but is there a specific one that you'd like yeah. to share?
1: Yes. And you know what? Um, this, I was, I don't know why, I was just thinking about this. Marine today. And I was thinking about it because I, well, I received an email not too long ago that I was so proud of that I recently had uh, my web designer put it on my website. In fact, hold on one second, I'll read it to you real quick. This is my most, this has to be, at least it's the first thing that jumps in my mind. There's many. But here's this email, uh, Natalie. It's from, it was from at the time, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Malinowski. And he says, Sergeant Major, an hour ago, <clears throat> I got the phone call. I was selected for Colonel. I wanted to send you a note, my first note, outside of my family, to, to you, to thank you for making this possible. I know my selection for promotion is a representative of your abilities as a true professional. And anyways, I'll skip to the bottom. He says, thank you. This is a great early Christmas present. The phone calls are now being made today expect to see an official message uh, in the media soon. Uh, You know, this had to be a massive moment for me because, by the way, this Marine got selected to colonel, which is one step away from a general, which, by the way, he's about to become a general soon. And here he is contacting me before he tells his his wife, before he he calls his mom or whoever else. Um, And the official message in the Marine Corps hasn't even let out yet, which means it's hush, hush, and he's sending me a message before anyone else that has to be my proudest moment. Uh, the other one I just happened to catch note of while while I looked at that uh, on my website, which says which was by another Marine, much more junior Marine. Uh, his name he's a he's a very popular Instagram influencer. His name is Koke Yepes, and he says uh, on my birthday he made this post and this picture, and he says, "Thank you for always being there for me." He's and he said, "Happy birthday to my mentor. I love you like a dad," and. Obviously, this guy is much younger, much more junior. Things like that make me make it all worth it. And for all of you leaders out there, you never you never know the impact you're having on someone. Sometimes you will never know, and even sometimes if you do have the pleasure of knowing, it might be years later. Because this Marine just made that post about my birthday last month, and I've been out of the Marine Corps for three years, so. Again, a lot of times you don't know the impact you have until much later. So I just, I recommend all the leaders out there never take for granted the impact that you might have uh, on someone's life in a
2: deep way. Hey, Max, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to uh, give you a compliment, you know, at the start of the show, you said that, uh, you know, as a Marine co-leaders or what we can learn, you know, we need to be a serpent, we need to apply servant leadership. We need to carry. We need to support our team. And then Natalie asked, "What's your proudest moment?" You know, which uh, I'm assume some of leaders out there, and that that could include me, will say my proud moment eh, was when I uh, win this. So when I uh, done that, but your proud moment? This is a bit different. Your proud moment is you proud because other people are going ahead to success because yes. you contributed into that success and I think this is a learning from all of for all of us that if you want to be a true servant leadership then even when you already finish from your service you still actually carry the proud moment because this is three years after you retired you receive that email and you take that as your proudest moment it's not not when you, do something back then is actually today mm. the fact that your leaders just one step away to become a general and your teammates feel that you look after him and for him you are a debt to him. That is unbelievable.
1: Yeah thanks Gus. And you know we should always be grooming up the people, those who we are entrusted to lead, train and inspire. We should always be grooming them up to fill not the next but the next two positions up. And there's always time frame where someone's sick or someone's on leave, someone's uh, attending a school because we should be sending our people to schools. Um, and we need to train those people to be ready to step up. You should always be training them for the next two levels up. Uh, this is of the utmost importance, not just keeping them where they're at in their comfort zone um, at that lower level. Yeah, great yeah. guys. Yeah.
0: And just Max, you mentioned you read out parts of that letter. You said it's on your website. Can you just share your website for those that actually want to go in there and read the full letter?
1: Yeah, sure. It's uh, maxgarcia.biz. Do you want me to put it in a comment also?
0: Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Yes. Thanks.
1: Um, Thank sure. you, Max. I'll, I'll, um, let's see. Yeah, th- thanks, Natalie. I'll I'll do that.
0: Perfect. And. I guess we you know we want to touch on resilience as well Max and you know a small a small and medium businesses are going through a tough time now especially with the covid pandemic what can SMEs do from your perspective to improve their resilience and I guess particularly in the current times
1: Yeah great uh, great question and I and this is especially vitally important right now with this whole COVID thing um, because as leaders, of course, we're leading people who have families, who have families, who have spouses, have businesses, or kids who are being homeschooled, driving the parents crazy. I know you have uh, kids as well, Natalie and Gus, so do you. You know, nothing's more crucial and, and I advise everyone, all you leaders out there, not just to look at your people as worker bees and they're working for you. Remember that they are people with people, with families, they're all someone's daughter or son. And if you as a leader out there um, are going through a difficult time, um, first of all, I get that it's very lonely at the top. That's a, an expression. It's very lonely at the top. And sometimes, you know, as a Sergeant Major, I felt like I had all this bottled up and, and no one to talk to really, because there's only certain members of my peers, other sergeants major that I can trust to show my cards to. Um, you know, I can only talk to my kids or my wife or whoever else about, you know, specific things. That's, you know, leaders in general. Um, so I recommend for all those leaders out there who are going through a difficult time, first the most important thing, <clears throat> set your ego aside. Pick up the phone and call someone. Now, I know that is said a lot. It's very cliche, so I'll take that a step further because we'd love to say, oh, call someone. No, don't just call anyone. Um, of course, if it's very serious, call Lifeline or something like that. But if you're going through a tough time or even you have an inspection coming up and you don't know how to prepare, rather than killing yourself, struggling, pick up the phone and call someone else and say, hey, brother, hey, how did you how did you do this? And by call someone, I don't mean just call anyone. Like I said, uh, call someone, first of all, who's who knows a good listener, who actually shut up and listen more than they talk. One thing we forget as leaders is that we have two ears and only one mouth for a reason. Call someone who is an effective listener and call someone with some credibility, someone who can actually provide some some quality advice. And by the way, men, we are the absolute worst for this. Men, we would, we would rather die than pull our vehicle over and ask someone for directions when we're lost. So this is for all the older people who know what it's like to to read a a map and get lost and have, you know, the, the wife getting upset at us and all those other things. Anyways. and, And if you think about it, you're really effective CEOs. You're really effective executives, your top leaders, your fortune 500 leaders. They all pay the money for leadership consulting, executive coaching, education. They don't just try to all my ego is so big, I'm going to figure it all out myself. Even you, Gus, we've talked. I know you said you you talk so highly of your uh, consultant that you have. You talk yeah. so highly of your executive assistant. When I know you can say, I'm the CEO. I don't need doggone consultant. And that's what a lot of leaders do. Um, or I don't need to talk to anybody. I just walk around like everything is perfect in my world, which is ridiculous. Everyone is always going through something. Everyone has been through something and everyone will go through something. Cause that's how we learn and grow, but you will not go through it. You will grow through it so much faster. If you work with someone else on it, two heads thinking are always better than one. So Max, can it? I, can I,
2: yeah, uh, that's, uh, can, can I add to that? Because Natalie bring a perfect, uh, uh, topic about resilience. I remember, uh, you mentioned to me, and, and this is, will be relating to resilience of you, uh, I can't remember the exact story, but I'm sure the audience want to hear this. You know, when you actually, uh, in in uh, in the combat situation, in the tank, they're passing through water and that tank almost filled with water because of a, because of a, good, a judgment, judgment. Just good judgment that you do. But then yeah. what happened in that moment where your team almost died and then your leader have to... Uh, Uh, you know, have to scream on you. Uh, You know, we relate it to your resilience, facing the truth of reality that you make a mistake, the world is going down on you, and you still stand up and you still face it accountable and still get selected as the leader. Do you mind just quickly to tell the situation so we can picture it? and then related to resilience of yourself to still stand up and be accountable?
1: Yes. Well, I'll first disclose to everyone out there, and I'm not proud of this, but that vehicle I was thinking was completely and totally my fault. It wasn't because of the vehicle or anything else. It was my fault because I failed to do the most important leadership step, which is supervise. Um, I failed to do what I call inspect what you expect. Remember that for all you leaders out there, always inspect what you expect. I failed to do that, and it almost cost my life and a few other lives um, in the process. And yeah, I was, I was, I was down and out. That was, that was terrible. One of the worst days of my life, really. <clears throat> and anyways, I'll, I'll never forget this one leader. His name was was Staff Sergeant Young. He eventually went on to become Sergeant Major Young. And I won't forget. He came up to me, and he said. He goes, listen, it's not how bad you screw up, it's how good you recover. And I'll add on to that. I'll say that one more time first. It's not how bad you screw up, it's how good you recover. He didn't use the word screw up, though. I'm sure you all can imagine kind of some (laughs) of the words he used. Um, You see, the thing is that, you know, with leaders, a lot of times we walk around like like we're perfect, like everything is peachy in our world, like we're so great. Um, but the thing is, the reality is that no matter what level of leadership you're at, I don't care if you're a general or a CEO or if you're the, if you're a manager of janitors, you're all gonna screw up at some point. You know how's that for some some motivational speaker talk right there? You're all gonna screw up at some point. You're all gonna make mistakes, and here's why: because that's how you learn and grow. And because you're this thing called a human being. So when you make those mistakes, accept it, love it, it's yours, own it, and look for a couple different things. One, look for what the lesson is and how you can apply that lesson to someone else to help someone else in the future. Also, look for the hidden blessing in disguise because there's always a hidden blessing in disguise, even if for me in that day means... That I wouldn't have a cool story
2: to tell whenever I talk to companies like yours, guys. Yeah, do you mind just to give one minute what actually the story uh, of, of of that moment? Because for me, that's just really give a picture of how screw up and how you actually stand up. Because when you share with me, I was so wow. If if I made the same situation like that, I don't know how to uh, you know uh, how to recover. But you are. Do you mind to share if, if it's meant to be something? Yeah, for, sure, for sure, of course. Uh, again, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not proud of this, but I'll share it for the benefit of all the leaders out there because I'm human and so are you, whether you want to admit it or not. So the short version is that we were towards the end of this deployment and it's normal on deployment that you typically go somewhere and wash down every vehicle I mean, to the T, every grain of sand, every bug, every speck of dirt so that you can make it back through U.S. customs. And by the way, if you're deploying to Australia, it's even worse because your customs here are so crazy that there's even a TV reality sh- reality TV show about it. Um, so it, it requires a lot of um, work. Anyways, we're in these amphibious vehicles. What it is, it looks like a big tank goes on land and water and not a hovercraft. It's a trapped vehicle. And... Anyways, there's a certain um safety checks that are supposed to be done prior to putting that vehicle in the water. And for our vehicles, we were gonna have to take them and run them off the back of the ship into the ocean and drive them to the coast uh in Spain, in road to Spain, to do the washdown. This is normal routine for every deployment. And I did I failed to make sure that those proper safety checks were, were done and about halfway to the shore. I didn't even realize we were taking on water. My communication in my helmet, I'm talking to my driver about whatever, and it starts getting fuzzy. I go to look down and see if my cord is still plugged up and all I see is water. And of course it was a you know massive panic, right as I were doing everything to to stop the water from coming in. And right as I'm, I made the decision for everyone to to disembark, to jump off, I tell everyone, get ready. I grab the the flag where I get ready to signal everyone behind us that we're getting ready to bail out. And my, my leader behind me, my, my section leader, I'll never forget him. Stasher and Tremor was his name. And he goes, and I, I look back behind us. I go to pick up the flag and I see him going like this, like, <laughs> keep going, keep going. So, okay, we get back in. And he's smart though, because the harder we press on the gas, the more the billage pumps pumped out the water and I mean, we barely made it to the shore that, like, here's the the beach and here's us. Tick, 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 touch, touch. <Dusse surfers> drive out. I mean, it was, it was close. My heart was, I mean, I was sweating, like, where I had to wipe the sweat out of my eyes. I felt like the, my heart was going to jump out of my chest. I was, I was shaking. Um, I was, by the way, I, I had just turned 21 a few days prior. So this is kind of a big experience. And probably, actually, not probably. It was far too much responsibility for someone my my age, and that's just the kind of responsibility we give young people in the military. So, um, yeah, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm not proud of it, but I sure learned a lot from it early on that helped me to be effective and a more effective leader later. That helped me to get the promotion and all those other things. <clears throat> that
0: such a great story about resilience, Max. Can I ask you because sometimes. You know, we have these situations and I do it myself where we do, we make a mistake and then we ponder on it for such a long time. It's actually hard to forget about it and move on. So in this example, how did you actually overcome it? Is there any advice that you can give? Because you're right. We're all human. No one is perfect. But to forget about mistakes is actually quite difficult for me anyways. As a small business owner, I find it quite difficult because we pride ourselves on perfection. And so when it happens, it's like I've let myself down.
1: Yes. What advice did you have? Yeah, great. And first of all, I'll just close that. that the only reason I think I got through it is because of the the solid leadership around me, coaching me, mentoring me, telling me I can do it, telling me it's not how bad you screw up, it's how good you recover. Okay, so get back out there and do it. That kind of pep talk um, rather than just leaving me alone. But one of the, the things, and you're right, as leaders, we it's normal as human beings in general to second guess our decisions. In fact, if, if yeah, if it's normal as human beings to second guess our decisions. And what I'll say, a couple things is that if you, as a leader, you make a decision, doesn't go as well, and you're walking around thinking about it, overanalyzing it, overanalyzing yourself, overanalyzing what everyone thinks, at that point in time, you are ineffective. You are not helping anyone. You are not leading anyone. You are not, um, adding to the culture. And that, in fact, it's almost like you're being selfish because you're only thinking about yourself and your image and your reputation, all those other things. I have a, um, a presentation that I, that I speak on often. I call it Sergeant Majors, uh, nine pillars of confidence. And in Sergeant Majors, nine pillars of confidence. Again, this is a presentation I do from time to time. Whenever I get booked, someone wants me to speak about confidence One of the things I recommend is, is once you've made the decision, once you start, once you're in front of your people, stop thinking about yourself and focus on what you can give, focus on what you can do, whether it's, say, you're getting ready to give a presentation at work. And if you're there, you know, you're worried about your hair and your makeup. And of course, yes, while you're getting ready to do that, but once you step into that space, or you step into that room, the networking room, the chamber of commerce room, stop thinking about what your hair and suit and if your tie is perfect, looks like, and instead start thinking, projecting outwards and what value can I give to these people? Again, I'm talking to leaders now, leader talk. Um, instead of worrying about yourself, focusing on, is my hair right? Is my makeup right? Projecting out, what can I give? How can I make these people more effective? What What? How can I add to the world? How can I add to life in this scenario? Of course, once you're at home, you're in your car, you're checking your last minute makeup. For me, if I have a speaking gig, as soon as I arrive at the speaking gig, if no one sees me, I'll, I'll honestly go into the bathroom, take a look at myself one more time, say, "Okay, oh, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, look good. And then but once I step outside of that restroom, I'm done thinking about myself and I'm thinking about how I can help these people in their lives.
0: So
2: does that answer your question?
0: It does, it is. Fantastic. Did you have anything to add to that, Gus?
2: No, that's fantastic. I, I just, I just, uh, the things that I learned so far is the focus of others themselves obviously come through, through your journey in military, you know, through your journey in service. Uh, and I think that's one thing we as a business need to really, le- you know, this thing about our own image in the, in the you know, in the organization, it, it actually makes us uh, a non-effective leaders because we have teams that can, uh, you know, do that. Uh, we need to give values to them. So, so that's fantastic. Cool.
1: And, and, and I'll, I'll add on one more thing, Gus, if you don't mind. And image is important because your people are, quite frankly, they're judging your every move. They're judging how you look, how you walk, how you talk, how you carry yourself, how you wear your attire. If it's neat, if it's got cat and dog hair all over it, they're, they're mentally talking trash in their own mind. Um, if you're, um, how you look after your health, if you're in physically good shape and they're always uh, judging you. However, so you work on those things while you're at home, but once you step in front of them, once you're at work, the focus is outward servant leadership. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Max. I want to touch on teamwork because I have no doubt that teamwork is so important when you're in the US Marines, but it's also really important to small and medium business owners. So can you give some advice based on your experiences on how you've helped your own team be more productive? And I guess not just to get more work done, but to actually pursue their true purpose.
1: Yes, great. And and I like that when you say that, Natalie, about true purpose, because you heard me say before the people that you're leading are people. They have dreams, ambitions, goals that don't include you, that are outside of your company. And when you help them pursue those goals, those passions, those dreams, you'll get massive loyalty. So, to answer your question, uh, two things come to my mind right off the bat one is engaged leadership, and the other one, is time management training. So to talk about the time management piece first, I appreciate you all writing it down, which means I'm saying something that's somewhat effective. Thank you for taking notes. I like it when I see you writing. I love it whenever I'm meeting with a client or giving a presentation, I see people writing. I love it. It's like music to my ears. So I'm a bit of a time management geek. Um, You know, you almost have to be with your, once you're leading a lot of people and you have to be a lot of places at once, I'm a bit of a time management geek. And I believe in teaching subordinate leaders Time management as well. So many people are doing so many things ineffective. Um, For example, if you're getting to work and you're replying to a bunch of emails first that are not important, that's ineffective. Uh, I go by, I have a policy for myself that I learned from my mentor, Marshall Silver, called worst things first. I'll say that again. I recommend that everyone do your worst things first. Whatever it is that's gonna take the most energy, the most concentration, whether it's write that paper, create that presentation, do that paperwork that you're absolutely dreading. Worst things first, because in the morning, that is when you're most productive. The morning is the most powerful, productive part of the day. That is when you have the most energy. That is when people you need their cooperation from as well. The people you need cooperation from as well, that is when they have the most energy as well. So I recommend um, worst things first. Um, but you, know, you, you don't want to attack writing a term paper if you're a college student after lunch, after you've had lunch and all you want to do is take a nap. Again, worst things first, if the emails are not important, work on those in the afternoon. And for that same reason, if I'm not a fan of meetings, meetings go on too long, people talk too much, it gets off topic. And oftentimes in the meetings, if you have 15 people in the meeting, the only people who are getting any benefit is the boss and the person doing the briefing, that's it. Um, And for that reason though, if I must have a meeting, Strict agenda and have the meeting in the afternoon, because it's only a conversation like we're having right now. I want to teach my people to get their worst things done first, the most difficult task done first, and I'll have my little meeting that, that's not as important. We're just having a chat in the afternoon. The other uh, thing I mentioned is engaged leadership. Cannot say enough about this. Leaders, especially those of you who are leading a thousand people, a hundred people, get out from behind your desk and go visit your people in their workspace, Even if it means you got to get on a helicopter or a plane or a train or a drive um, and someone else has to step up and fill your shoes, which is good for them to learn that, get out there and visit your people. Learn, oh, how does this work? How are you doing this? Oh, how long have you been with this? If, and I'll tell you this, if you're in charge of really 100 people or less, 50 people or less, definitely, you should be getting out there and talking to them enough that you know their spouse's names, you know their kids' names, you know where they where they worked before they came from you. You know their talents, their hobbies um, because of engaged leadership. And throughout engaged leadership, going back to what you said, Natalie, you're going to find out, oh, yes, I'm, I'm working for you, Gus, installing these lights, but I've got ambitions to be a singer. And oh, that's great. You know, I'll keep that in mind. And then you come across someone who has a singing school and you can go back to that person. And you say, hey, Sally, hey, check this out. I remember you said you had an ambition to be a singer. Well, turns out my next door neighbor has a singing school. Here's a, let me make an introduction for you. That, by the way, let me make an introduction for you. That's servant leadership or the whole thing really is servant leadership. But the thing is that you'll never know this if you only look at your people that they come there and work, they go home and I don't care about them once they're home. You'll never know that. So to answer your question, Natalie, time management training, which I'm big on and engage leadership.
0: Thank you. Can I just ask Max for those out there listening when we talk about servant leadership? Can you just explain what that is for those that are just don't know what that actual term means?
1: Yes. So, I'll give an example. Uh, engaged leadership is kind of like what I was just saying. You know, hey, hey, you know Bob, how's your how's your wife doing? Oh, yeah, great. She's good and and, and guess what? We're expecting a baby. Bob, congratulations. This is engaged leadership. Now, servant leadership is one step further. You say, oh, you know, Bob, how many months along is she? Oh, six months. Wow. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know about this sooner. I need to get out of my office more often. You say, hey, Bob, this is your first baby, right? Yes. You say, well, hey, have you signed up for any new parent support programs, any new parent support classes? Um, something where You know, I recommend that you look in new parent support classes where they teach you how to bottle, how to swaddle, how to do all these things so that your baby's not driving you crazy in the middle of the night. Because, Bob, let me be honest with you, all your relatives and everything, they're like, oh, that's nice and sweet and congratulations. But what they're not talking to you about is how miserable it can be in the middle of the night. So, Bob, um, I recommend that you, you take these classes. In fact, where do you live at again, Bob? You live over in the Oaks. You know what? I think I know of a class over there. Let me do some digging. And you come back to Bob that afternoon or that next day and you say, hey, Bob, I found a new parent support class in your area. Here's, here's a flyer on it. And in fact, I sent you the link as well so you could easily share it with your wife. Um, so-and-so I know went through it and they said great things about it. Again, servant leadership. You go out of your way and do something for them to help them in their path. And when Bob gets a good night's sleep, even though he has a newborn child, or his marriage is still doing well because the baby's not about driving him crazy. It's because you took the time to be a servant leader and lead them and, and feed to them, hey, here's this flyer. And also I sent it to you on email rather than just congratulations later. Th- does that answer your question? It does. Natalie, Such a brilliant example. Brilliant. brilliant. There's a Have lot of worked? examples. It's the first one I can think of.
0: Oh, it's a brilliant one. I think everyone can relate to something like that. Have you got anything to add to that, guys? No, I don't. Yeah. And Max, something that the, um, I just thought of the lead, uh, the listeners don't necessarily know is you actually do own a business yourself, correct?
1: Yes, that's correct.
0: Can you just mention to everyone what that is? So we're not yeah, only sure. learning yeah. from a U.S. Marine, but we're actually learning from a business owner as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my business name is, is simply called Max Garcia, motivational speaker. I'm a motivational speaker, keynote speaker, corporate keynote speaker, uh, you name it, whether it's, your corporate banquet ball, gala night, or even charity or other organization, or if it's your uh, company or organization, your corporate team building day, your training day, you want training on being a time management geek like me or effective leadership training, uh, you name it, or even effective uh, goal setting and goal achieving so that your people are happy in their personal lives, you name it. I, I do a, a wide variety of speaking in a wide variety of spaces. I also do a lot of, Uh, leadership coaching, executive consulting, and really, quite frankly, a lot of individual one-on-one coaching, just helping people to overcome the worst adversity possible and achieve their highest ambitions. So yeah, thanks thanks for asking.
0: No, thanks, Max. And I'm just conscious of time. We have reached one hour. Gus, you love to do a wrap-up of the show. So I'm going to hand it over to you if you want to do a wrap-up.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And Max, before I wrap up, uh, once again, thank you so much for donating your time, you know, less than three months ago, Natalie and I and Jared came with this little talk initiative and uh, we only have three initial speaker and, uh, and, uh, the number four is you putting your hand up. Uh, you have no idea. We are not a uh, uh, podcast professionals. We, we, we don't even have our equipment. Uh, I'm doing this beside my bed because we are in lockdown and yet you support us and, uh, throughout the journey in the last three months, we learned from you, especially in the arena of servant leadership, in the arena of accountability, uh, which is, you know, really, really important for us. And and what I learned today uh, uh, so far, uh, you know, especially to the audience, um, number one is uh, I really get very deep uh, when you say create system that breed discipline, and also create a system where your people best at their basic, and I think this is important for any business because we tend to watch it, but we are lazy to do it. Discipline is not uh, something that easy. You know, you need to repeat. You need to repeat every day. And if we are good with that, we achieve a level of professionalism of marine. Uh, you also mentioned to us, uh, and, and and I actually like this. It's not how bad you screw up, but how good you recover. Uh, and I think that's simple, simple message for everyone. You know, everyone screw up, and you know, Max. I have to give this to you. You know, for you to publicly say more than ten times, openly, I'm not proud of that, but I learn from that. Right. It demonstrates the leader that many will follow because many people put makeup you know we put lipstick we put this we put that uh, sorry Natalie I'm not saying anything <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know That's but,
0: why everyone knows I like my lipstick or yeah, God. <laughs> Natalie
2: you are using a different lipstick that what I'm talking about but Max you are so open about your challenges about your situation hey call someone if you need help the next thing that I learned as well is uh, accountability to accept res- your responsibility and outcome. You will make mistake, but be accountable. And then last one that you just mentioned, be an engaged leader. Know your people, doesn't matter what's the size of your business, because people have more than just their job. The job is from certain time outside their job, there is something else that meaningful that create the passion, and then effectiveness always start your day with the worst thing first. And I think that's what yeah. I take today. And if I can apply that, everyone can apply that. I think we will be successful. Thank you so much for donating your time, Max. Uh, we we are very thankful to get a little insight or the other side of U.S. Marine that I watch on TV, you know, I always said, oh, you know, that thing, the camouflage, you know, the big guy, the never cry guy. But you always said to me, we do cry. We do find challenges. We do take Panadols as a Marine. (laughs) And I, I, (laughs) uh, you know, for the audience, I actually ask Max, for the audience, I actually do ask Max, hey, uh," you know, when we watch the movie, uh, I never see any Marine taking Panadols. We as business people, we take Panadols just for a little headaches. Uh, so you are a human being. Thank you so much for your time and sharing the leadership insight through the lens of one of the most elite forces in the world, U.S. Marine.
1: Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate you all <clears throat> having me on. And I'll just say that it's it's like music to my ears. When someone can repeat, when someone repeats back some of my lesson or things I say to me, let alone if it's coming from a a very well-respected CEO of a big company like yourself. So thanks for for soaking all that in and thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated.
0: Thanks, Max. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. For more information on Leader Talk or for some great resources to help your business grow, check out brainiac.com.au. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye, everyone. Reach out to me anytime for anything. Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk.
2: Leader talk. Leader talk. Leader talk. talk. talk.